power of Grey Skull. Welcome to the Agents of Shield radio show by Fantastic Geek. We've got like all the grindage for your ears when it comes to Marvel Comics movies and TV shows. My name is Matt, and joining me is a righteous dude. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, empowered ladies, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, and jerkheads, they all adore him. It's Pete. Party on, hot dogger. Good thing you built my head before my legs. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 708. After Before is brought to you by Afterlife, Herbs, and some dirt. Because at this point, you'll try anything. Pete, let's turn our focus just for a moment here from Marvel Television, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., from the sunsetting of the Marvel TV division, and look over to the television shows being made by Marvel Studios for Disney+. Plus. Just yesterday, the August schedule came out uh, for Disney+. Plus. Some people, hopefully not listeners to our podcast, were surprised, so surprised that The Falcon and the Winter Soldier would not, in fact, be released in August. You know, Pete, the show whose production was impacted and suspended uh, or paused, wherever you want to put it, the show that's not done because of, oh, I don't know, a worldwide pandemic which has affected uh, not just, obviously, the larger things, people's lives, death, etc., but has impacted TV and film production worldwide. Further, Pete, people complaining, why has Disney Plus not given us a clear-cut schedule, a clear-cut path forward for Falcon, for WandaVision, for Loki? So I ask you, Pete, what silly reason does Disney Plus have for not giving us day and date for all three series and Hawkeye and more? Reopen disney plus now matt how dare they not give us what they have not finished yet pete i sense some sarcasm in your voice and mine like again i was just surprised that people i understand that we need these outlets now more than ever uh and not for nothing there is a dwindling supply of uh you know of of entertainment out there as more has not been made by and large but you know, Falcon out of August um, is completely understandable. And, and I expected. I, I, yeah, <laughs> and expected, yeah. And I mean, look, even if you weren't, even if you're a huge Marvel fan and you didn't know that the show had paused production, to me to say, you know, or from my view, that is to say, from my view, to say, oh, yeah, as, as the production got suspended due to Corona. Okay, there shouldn't be expectations beyond that at this point. And, and to get upset over the lack of Disney plus being transparent over what the dates will be in a world that continues to be volatile and unknown, even if you're going to leave out all these larger, bigger, more important issues and just focus on TV film production, it's just barely like it's in the last, you know, Jurassic world three just started in the last week, things like that. They're just starting to come back. So Take a breath, relax. We'll see Falcon. We'll see Bucky. We'll see Wanda. We'll see Vision. We'll see Loki. We'll see Hawkeye. We'll see Hawkeye's trainee, next generation, whatever, when it can happen. Let's look at the pattern, Matt. Um, I mean, July, we got Hamilton, which wasn't due out in theaters until March of 2021. Uh, June, we got Artemis Fowl, which had been bumped from theaters last August. April, we got onward, obviously after things rapidly deteriorated and the, the shift to, uh, you know, the, the virtual, uh, the home situation was made. Matt, if only 
Disney Plus was sitting on something that they could swap with um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, is there a way? <laughs> uh, Disney may say this is the way by pushing up the release of Mandalorian Season 2. I, I think there's an argument for it. I think there's an argument against it. Uh, the, argument, the argument for it is it fills a content hole in August and September that uh, that needs to be filled. Um, I do wonder at what point, you know, Disney Plus says, let's just kind of cut our losses and let's stick with the schedule that we have. And if we can take Mandalorian in, you know, October, November, wrap up in December, uh, at which point then we can just, you know, unleash kind of nonstop Marvel TV shows for a big chunk of time. I think there's an argument to be made there, but it'll be what it'll be. And we're getting we're getting new and interesting content as best as can be done again i think to get really really upset online to say how dare they move it and not tell me when it'll be i mean it, there's just too many x factors going on for what at the end of the day is going to be a fun diversion and and inspiring and whatnot but it's it's not worth getting fired up over so time will only tell that but no falcon no winter soldier no problem. When we catch you up on what went down January 21st, 1982, May witnesses Mac ride off on his motorcycle and cautions Deke that he doesn't need company. She tells Simmons and Enoch they're still not back when the time drive kicks in and they jump. 481 days to May 7th, 1983. I like that we're kind of returning to this point in which the stories diverged. It, it's a nice kind of, it's a nice reset point for what, you know, what, what route the episode will be taking here. Um, having emerged now in May 1983, they have 20 minutes until the next jump. Uh, and nothing's on the scanner. Then there's 30 seconds. Simmons wondering if perhaps there's a pattern to the jumps. They are, of course, going to the same physical spot back and forth. It's it's not. I, Fitz was his name. I'm 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 not sure who they're talking about. Good news, Pete. Definitive rumors online about a month ago that Fitz shows up in episode seven oh eight. So I'm sure it'll all work out by the end of this episode. Oh wait, this is seven oh eight, and he didn't show up. Anyhow. Um, Another jump occurs. It's now September 9th, 1983. So is there a pattern? Uh, Simmons still working on that. Yo-Yo uh, is going to go after Mac. They have 27 days. Back the... where we were. Back where we saw this scene from the, the previous week. Yes. Yeah, so some really nice kind of weaving together of, 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 I don't know, the time arc that we haven't seen. Um Again, still working on the theory. Simmons gives uh, Yo-Yo uh, an Apple Watch. I mean, completely unique time chronometer device thing. Um, Simmons isn't worried about losing them too. She tells Sousa, after all, she has faith in mathematics. Um, finally, we get to October 6th, 1983. Mac is back. Him asking what's wrong as we get Pete a funky title card. Yes, time and coordinates uh, listed there, clearly important towards this episode. As Zephyr 1 streaks through the sky, Simmons lays out the science. 
They've lost control of the time drive. At the rate they're going, the ship will collapse into a space-time singularity in two days, or relatively speaking, 20 minutes. Like a stone skipping along the surface of the pond, the jumps and the time they spend in any given time period are getting exponentially shorter. If this continues, they will sink a jump within a jump, which leads to, honestly, she has no idea. So we have science concept, check. We have figurative language that makes it easy for all of us to understand exactly what that looks like, check. We also have uh, Deke wondering if they can't just undo the field generator. Well, the problem is that the pulses are 49 per second. If only they had a super speeder, but Yo-Yo still can't Yo-Yo. So we have a proposed solution here, perhaps something that might take the episode to solve. Uh, But of course, her inhuman biology is all whacked. And uh, if only they knew some uh, someone who knew more about inhuman biology. Daisy arrives. How about Jai Ying? You know, mom, she can fix it. Time to prep a Quinjet for a trip to afterlife. So here we are, Pete, what, five minutes into the episode, if that. And we have a very clear kind of plot objective in terms of how we're going to solve this, where we need to go to get the info, come back with the info, solve the thing. Um, I know it, of course, does not completely unfold according to that plan, but a very clear kind of uh, direction for the story here. Coulson's being 3D printed when Simmons reboots him. Good thing they built his head before his legs. They update him and uh, warn him of the wrong move, but unlike losing Mac's parents, at least he'd already been born. Right, Daisy? Pete, I would go on to be a little confused as to exactly when we are in Daisy's life here, but there is the risk of taking out Jaying before Daisy is born. That's definitely floated. Uh, the Quinjet is ready to launch. Zephyr 1 will intercept so they can meet up in the air. Pete, I just thought that was like a cool, like quasi-military thing that you say. I didn't know that they were going to set the table for a great special effects sequence, courtesy of Mark Kolpak and company later in the episode. Uh, but for now, on the Quinjet, Yo-Yo is pacing. May tells her to sit down. Uh, turns out that May is feeling more emotions, also feeling more like herself. Pete references made to her picking up not just on Yo-Yo's emotions, but also Mac's emotions. I don't want to give specifics. Somebody on Twitter wondered if maybe May was also perceptive of some other feelings that maybe Yo-Yo and Mac had together at the same time. Uh, but we're not going to go there. Family-friendly. Let's be serious, Pete. There's the possibility of a negative emotion feedback loop. Uh, Yo-Yo feeling nervous. May feeling nervous from the nervousness. Yo-Yo getting more nervous, etc. So, Pete, take us, take this Quinjet down, land us, won't you? I'm, I'm getting a negative emotion feedback loop here. All of which could be useful with Daisy's mom. You know, before she turns into a murderer, after Hydra cut her into pieces, they land cloak and uh, approach there until they see a character eventually revealed to us as Lee chasing another character eventually revealed to us as Korra uh, who can on outrun a character we immediately recognize in an earlier incarnation in Gordon who apparently had really rough decades of the 90s and the aughts because he was gray when we met him and here he looks about 14. Pete, it's not easy to be inhuman. Uh, we get the end of the act, then after that, we're in the uh, the 
dare say, iconic uh, afterlife red holding room, as I will call it. Jaying is back. Oh, they did it, Pete. Love letter to the fans here. May and Yo-Yo nod to each other. Yo-Yo says that she's an inhuman and used to be able to run fast. Now she just freezes in place. Uh, May says in Chinese that Jaying believes Yo-Yo. Uh, still, Yo-Yo will need to prove it. Uh, she is shown a diviner. This is really deadly if you... Nope, she just reaches for it. It does nothing, uh, which to me in the moment is, ah, success. Uh, but of course, she has to hold it to her face where it kind of glows and divines. Uh, her hand is prosthetic, so a little bit of a a chuckle for my part there. And uh, it all concludes with Jiaying saying that she will do what she can do to help Yo-Yo. Lee cautions Jiaying, who wants to know how something could take away Yo-Yo's gift. Uh, Lee says they should learn everything they can, but that these people cannot leave and give away their position. Yo-Yo gets acupuncture, uh, and it's not going to completely solve her problem. It's part of the puzzle here to break down the poison in her body. She explains what happened to her and how it killed a close friend and lover of hers. Yo-Yo trying to walk the time travel line of, I will tell you things, but not, you know, spoil too much. Uh, Jaying says that she really, really does want to help, but Pete May is doing her best Deanna Troy uh, as she looks at Lee there. Uh, oh, and what did you do uh, to the woman who was running away? With that, Lee pulls a knife. Uh, Conjures a knife. Indeed he does. Great observation there. Uh, which A, is meant to quiet May, but B, confirms that Yo-Yo isn't any better yet, uh, which is probably a larger takeaway in that moment. Takeaway for them. We, of course, knew that was the case. That night, Yo-Yo is peering out of the window, not resting. What's next? Wait, they hear a sound. Cora is in pain. And uh, Yo-Yo and May in the hall. Jaying bids them back to their room. Ultimately locked in their room, May reminds Yo-Yo that Cora's troubles simply aren't their fight. Yes. Uh, Yo-Yo wants a magic pill by the morning or they're leaving. Zephyr 1 reappears and Max says they have about 10 minutes to troubleshoot. Deke tells Sousa to stand back because electricity is dangerous, but he's no Neanderthal. Because Enoch spent time with a tribe of them, and he notices that Sousa lacks the characteristic brow ridges. So, I know that there's this, this rift between Marvel Television and Marvel Studios, and now Kevin Feige runs everything except for, like, Marvel Comics licensing or something like that. Can we get an Enoch anthology series where he's kind of hosting, like, great moments in the marvel universe or something like that where it's kind of like he it, it's a history show but it's like you know uh and then after after captain america went in the ice like we need something like that joel stoffer is amazing and we just need more of him in some capacity um all of this under pressure here because if only they had more jump time i got i got a title for you are you ready fire away an epoch with enoch there you go. There you go. A little science. Start start tweeting that out. I'll, I'll write the, the pilot. 
it, it could be it could be kid skewing but family friendly like you know let's talk about uh you know let's talk about the the dinosaurs or whatever it might be and you walk away with a lesson oh, it'd be fantastic pete um fantastic geek fantastic geek there you go speaking of time travel through the magic of storytelling it's now morning for uh everybody in the afterlife Jaying tells the ladies that there's no evidence of poison. It's not physical. It's in your mind as we head to an act break. We return from that with the discussion of the psychological here, not making it any less real. Uh, knows here uh, does Jaying about May's empathy uh, and her empathic abilities. She's not the first that uh, Jiaying has met, even though uh, Mei is not inhuman here, and that she could help to guide Yo-Yo. Uh, and then comes her worst nightmare, meditation. Indeed. They're forced to meditate, touch each other's knees, etc. Yo-Yo is given tea. The ladies are left to sit. Neither of them think this is going to work. What's a better way to kind of get on the same page? Mei suggests they fight. It's fight regression therapy. Uh, Yo-Yo feeling guilt and fear. She's remembering incidents from her past. Ruby, her childhood. Uh, back to Zephyr 1. They're going to start to prep parachutes while Coulson and Daisy are sidelined in rebuild mode. They're not in the best of shape. Coulson had been thirsty for a year and a half. Now he can drink. Oh, Pete, if only that was a metaphor for Coulson and May. But I guess, I guess maybe next time. Uh, Daisy, however, is glad Sousa is there because the show believes in some foreshadowing, methinks. But Pete, take us to the Zephyr One Bay. Yes, where the parachutes are now being laid out. We're reminded that Sousa was a paratrooper. Uh, Simmons has jumped out of an airplane twice, once even with a parachute, and then presents Sousa with a prosthetic leg to make him whole again. Uh, he had been unkind to her in the past, but now they're all in the same boat. Uh, he throws away the walkie, and they, uh, they, they're they getting ready to jump here back to afterlife. Yo-Yo reflecting on the challenges of her youth, uh, her dad being beaten. She kept Abuela's necklace, leading to her father's death. Yo-Yo needs to forgive herself. May hears Jiaying being called to help Cora. Lee says there's only one solution to the problem. Uh, in Cora's red room, the, the, the room has been trashed. Cora did this. Letting out her power leads to explosions. Pete, if only somebody had said to Cora, conceal, don't feel, then we could have had a great moment of Disney synergy here. Uh, but maybe she might not be worth saving. Oh, look, she's stolen the gun too. So what is it that Cora is afraid of? We cut to Cora in the field. Pete, ready to take her life. However, the gun falls apart. It's Nathaniel Malik. Oh, no, Pete. Is he now the master of magnetism? Thank God he is not here. And after the act break, he reveals he was supposed to die, too, though not at his own hand. But the phrase he repeats beginning here about fate written in the stars, he was presented with an escape hatch. Thanks to Sybil. Um, three choppers then are glimpsed here. And uh, he gives his hand to Cora. Uh, Yo-Yo then eludes a, uh, a 
Chronicom uh, gun, maybe wielded by a Chronicom. Not quite clear. Back to Zephyr One we go. Simmons sends a message to Fitz. Contact has been Ooh. lost. F- Pete, you may remember the character of Fitz, who who previously had been in uh, many episodes of Agents of Shield. Uh, although I less... thought her name was Fitz Simmons. I thought that was her first name. Ah, uh, Pete, that that's a common mistake amongst new fans. She is Simmons. Love of her life is Fitz, and though they are of a early thirties age, they're also the grandparents to Deke. Uh, a, a character who who not everyone enjoys, but I think we do. Uh, but in speaking to Fitz, contact has been lost with him since the last bunch of jumps. He might not see this recorded message, but time and space haven't stopped them before. Look, Pete, they stan Fitzsimmons, the show does. She won't and stop. Deke overhears uh, important information for like the 15th time this season, creepily. Creepily, perhaps, Deke always well-placed to maximize the decision. Um, and he also gives information. May and Yo-Yo will be back ASAP. At least that's the plan. We cut back to Afterlife. The base is under attack. Nathaniel's quaking, folks. He tells Jaying that Korra's been put through enough. Jaying sees only fear in Korra's eyes. But Jaying loves Korra and has been a mother to her. Korra wants revenge against her prison, though. She powers up and fires at Lee. Watch out, Lee. Watch out. Uh, fists him there, Matt. Story moves to Gordon, who jumps uh, our goodies to the Quinjet in time for the ladies to power things up. Go hide, Jordan. Uh, Jordan? Oh, Pete, maybe that's the ship name. I don't know. I feel so inspired by all these <laughs> ships. Go hide, Gordon and Jaying uh, elsewhere. And indeed, he zips those two away. Uh, Zephyr One countdown to forty se- or countdown is forty seconds. They're moments away from a catastrophic failure. They need the jet. Uh, they jump, and uh, Mac calls abandoned ship to end the act. Pete, act such tension. The fifth act begins here with our epic Quinjet Zephyr One reemergence and uh, landing from below to on top. So that's the good news. The bad news is the trip to afterlife did not work, did not restore Yo-Yo's powers. Everyone is sad. Everyone has to get to the Quinjet. Abandoned ship indeed. However, it's all in Yo-Yo's head. If only she could bounce back. Maybe she's not supposed to bounce back. Maybe she doesn't need to bounce back. Uh, she zooms. We see it, Pete. And Pete, this is the old-style zoom, not the, you know, way to communicate from March 2020 <laughs> forward. Um but she's at the engine. She reaches. She pulls the thing to decouple the who's he what's. It has stopped. Uh, they have stopped jumping. Hooray. She did it. Hugs all around. Yo-Yo didn't need to bounce back. She never needed to. Pete, it's kind of like the power is always inside her. Daisy takes her bandages off and enters the healing chamber. Seuss got his new leg there. Even Coulson's gonna get a little bit of a break but he asks simmons if he can be in charge of his nap recharge button and then enoch and deke are taking a look at the time drive uh might even be a spot for enoch in the band if he can play drums but what's this the fix didn't work 
and the ship vanishes. Now, Pete, that's the end of the act. And as we went into it, I said, I'm a little surprised by that ending. I didn't see it coming, but luckily I will have a tag scene to help explain a little bit more. The tag scene does not explain a little bit more, having me anticipate next week even more. But in the tag scene, we're in Afterlife, the Red Room. Cora and Malik are in charge. The rest of the crew tied up. Time to redistribute the wealth. Why all these rules? Gifts, life, time to shake things up. Time for anarchy to end the episode. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Let's begin with Lee. Yes, he. The contrast to Jaying, who I know we know can go bad or will go bad, but insofar as she's a fan favorite and we are sympathetic to Jaying as a whole, even. Even, you know, uh, though we know her future and she does not, blah, blah, blah. Lee necessarily the oppositional force to her uh, and not not necessarily wrong in his views. Just, you know, as is oftentimes the case in contrast to what we want with our heroes. Um, the, the knives is an interesting aspect. Making them, grabbing them from someplace else. They, they look stylized wasn't quite clear um yeah i mean i guess at the end of the day it's kind of like his power is what it needs to be story-wise um which i suppose is also the case with cora she the ticking time bomb that you know is highlighting the need where you know if these inhumans get too much out of line do jai yang and lee have to have to take them out in the big way um and that also an impetus for cora to turn bad by our perspective I, I think again we're kind of sympathetic to the pressures placed upon her like i don't know she doesn't want to die it doesn't want to feel bad about her powers that she can barely control but she turns heel here from fugitive to bad guy indeed she does great use by the way of the reference uh, of the, the wrestling reference heel for a moment i was saying wait heel she, she she she's no longer ill or something but <laughs> the other kind of heel um I'm glad that we potentially get more of her next week. I think she was an interesting character uh, on an interesting arc, albeit one of a smaller arc in its service of the story. Uh, it also was nice to see Gordon again. Um, fond memories of the character. Cool powers, really cool effects to have him bamf from place to place. And uh, just kind of great to get, you know, young Gordo here. And again, though, at the end of the episode, he spirits our heroes and then Yang away, still starts off in a really kind of negative space here as we understand the story. Yeah, and I suppose the same can kind of be said of Ying in that we know, we know that she ends up being a negative force farther down the timeline, so though we are glad to have the actress back and we're glad to, to see the character and whatnot, it's, there's kind of this overall sense of malice and this overall sense of, you know, Lee might be giving her, quote-unquote, bad advice in terms of, we can't let these people leave and whatnot, but we know that Jaying is always leaning in that villainous direction. Matt, are you aware that Jaying actress Ditchin Lockman is married to Davis actor maximilian osinski wow i was not that just that that fills me with happiness 
uh, as to the uh, extended Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. family. And I suppose speaking of family, although now in a fictional and villainous way, uh, the return of Nathaniel Malick here. Pete, I'm glad that the show did a particular thing with his costume because I had forgotten whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. And when he showed yeah. up all clad in black, some of it leather, I said, ooh, Nathaniel Malick equal bad boy, bad and a goatee, Matt, because everyone who has a goatee is bad. Right, Matt? Uh, it's totally true. Some of us just hide it. Some of them, uh, uh, oh, man. Nathaniel Malik, super bad. Um, I, I stand by my joke about him being the, the master of magnetism. I know somebody on Twitter was like, how dare you compare him to such a sweet soul as Magneto? And it's like, Magneto, who in the X-Men movies is a metaphor for, uh, you know, uh, a violent uh, road to be taken, a la Malcolm X. Not that Malcolm X is a villain, but I'm just saying, like, Magneto's a bad guy, too. But I hear you. You want to hate Malik more than Magneto? I give a big hearty thumbs up to that. Pete, speaking of thumbs up, want to give a big thumbs up and thanks, as always, to those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, making sure that our time jump drive always has enough regulators to make the next jump into the future. 100% uh, listener supported here, Matt. Very, very proud of that. And again, cannot do what we do, all we do. That's everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's all of Star Trek. That's your Mandalorian. That's your Watchmen. That's all sorts of stuff to come. Thanks to the good people at patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Get yourself there. Choose any of the tiers, the levels, and all the exclusive content that comes with that. It takes just a dollar a month. Can't contribute at this time. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review helps people find us yes we are certainly sympathetic to the fact that it is uh, it is a challenging time i think for everybody and and for for many people challenging financially so if you can't do the one definitely the review always a great free option and a great way to help spread the word about the podcast welcome to level seven time to analyze and theorize all right let's let's talk about the the biggest uh, theory to come out of this. Obviously, Cora and uh, Jiang and their relationship, the secret sister, secret half sister situation, and the fact that Daisy does not exist yet in this timeline as of 1983, which, okay, 17 to 2000, and let's say another 17, 18. 34, 35, how old is uh, is Daisy? We're right around the cusp there. What say you, Matt? I think that it's, and I don't mean to repeat myself week after week here, and, and heaven help the person who's listening to these one after another, because I'm probably really repeating myself, but continuing in the background this season is the notion that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are messing up the timeline more and more and more. The fact now that Afterlife the, the, the apple cart has been upset here. We have Cora and Malik in charge of the situation, both of them imp, uh, you know, powerful Inhumans. Uh, maybe a bit of an asterisk for Malik. I guess he didn't quite get it the traditional Inhuman way. But here they are super-powered. Uh, things are increasingly a kilter here, and I have to think 
you know, uh, obviously I haven't seen the preview. I don't know how far we go in the future here, but it's only going to get worse. And I really, really feel like the closer that we get to the end, either the show is going to commit to this is a completely different timeline and our agents get to ride off into the sunset, not worried about the snap, not worried about fully connecting into the Marvel Studios end of things. Or we find ourselves back in the 30s. We find ourselves, you know, getting back into the main timeline here and restoring everything. And I'm hoping it's the second one because I think if nothing else, that'll be Jeff Loeb's way of saying, I said it's all connected. And it really, really is. Next week's episode, of course, being directed by Simmons actress uh, Elizabeth Hensridge. So we'll just have to wait and see. So, Matt, May doesn't need to touch someone anymore to pick up on their emotions, the strengthening of this. What's the end game? I'm not sure because I think there's one of two options. One is they needed to expand her powers for story reasons. Uh, like, all right, we did a couple episodes of, you know, and she gets a pat on the back. And that's when she says, that woman is no human. She's a robot, you know, and now we just kind of need to dispense with the physicality of it. So that's one option. Another option is as these powers continue to grow, you know, it's going to be this louder and louder uh, presence in her, in her psyche, in her existence. So at what point does that get turned off? At what point does that get focused? Um, you know, I, Clearly, they're increasing them, so I think that it would be irresponsible story-wise for them to not do some sort of drawdown or some sort of fix or here, there's some sort of inhibitor chip or whatever it might be. Are we headed towards a big story thing from it? I want to say no. Usually, I'm wrong about these things, so maybe it's a yes. But again, you know, looking at the countdown, there's only so many episodes left. Do I think they're going to spend a ton of time with this? Maybe not. The concept of taking away gifts here comes up and then that Jai Yang might do that to Korra. And now Korra, having realized the potential of her gift and Nathaniel getting the idea to redistribute the wealth. So clearly this doesn't spell any good for anybody. It doesn't. And I, I think, though... It's an interesting retasking of Malik as a villain in the show. And I'm not trying to suggest that he's anything but. Um, I know that we've seen Malik and his brother and their father through, shall we say, 2020 eyes. Um, it is interesting to see Malik, Nathaniel Malik here, kind of espousing things that don't sound like the worst idea. Like, I don't know that Korra should be, you know, taken out by Lee merely because she has yet to master her powers. I don't think Cora should be put in a position in life where she thinks the best solution is to put a bullet in her head. Um, I do think that afterlife is kind of uh, overly uh, overly organized and overly top-down and whatnot. If you want to you know, redistribute the wealth and have people feel more empowered, um, I think these are all good concepts. Now, of course, it's coming from Malik, a character who I have nothing but contempt for, uh, I know in a prior podcast I said, you know, even just seeing the actor has me has me annoyed uh, at the character, which is a credit to the actor. Uh, but it's it's interesting to see Malik shifting, essentially, in the purposes of the story thus far, shifting from villain to anti-hero. 
So Liz Henstridge directs next week. I know, Pete. uh, Marvel.com had a big reveal. It was the big news of the week because (laughs) no one knew that in the last year. And Marvel.com thinks that we're that that the 1.7 or so people who still 1.7 million people who still watch Agents of Shield live that were all ninnies who know nothing about the show. So uh, Simmons leaves that message to Fitz. He's gotta answer it and show up you know that fits character i i don't remember next week <laughs> right uh i would think so i mean at a certain point he's got to show up <laughs> one would think uh, does he <laughs> um is it, that the twist this season <laughs> it's very very strange it really really is um but yes i feel like Pete, here again, I didn't see the preview, so I could be maybe the preview completely disproves this, maybe the preview gives us away, but the fact that they the fact that the ship jumped away without the who's he what's to do so suggests third party intervention. It's not the drive is broken, it's not that somebody on Zephyr One pushed a button, it's a third option. One would hope that the third option is fits in his, you know heavenly viewing spot where he's seeing what the chronicons have been doing calling the ship home calling it to him whatever it might be um one would certainly hope that pete this is one of the benefits of not watching the previews is next week's episode especially the way this one ended with the a story with our agents of shield there's no hint in this episode what's coming next week it's not you know well there's no hint for what's coming next week and that's a fun place to be when and where did they jump to well, we've always been in the, we, each jump has been towards the future so far. I know we have the Korra and Malik story brewing. We also have been doing decades, roughly. Uh, so I'm going to guess, what, we're in the early 80s? I'm going to guess uh, mid to late 90s. We're going to get some flannel, some some things of that <laughs> sort. Um, and flannel th- fits? <laughs> flannel fit, yeah. Uh, things like that. Emo we're gonna, flannel fits? 100%. Um, and I think that story-wise, that also would give us the opportunity to see Korra and Malik's world 15 years later or so. You know, what does that look like? Is it drastically different? Uh, I think it might be drastically different. I think at a certain point, the show needs to pay off the idea that the timeline gets worse and worse and worse. And if they show up and it's, you know, like, I'll go a little extreme here. I'll go kind of Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. You know, if it's like President Korra and President Malik. And all the non-inhumans are, you know, in chains and psh, psh, go, you know, dig in the mines, that kind of thing. Um, then it'll be like, oh, man, we need to figure out a way to fix this. And at the end of the episode, we're going back to the future, to the past, that kind of thing. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Pete, we start with the Twitter poll. Some interesting results. Uh, one broken field generator got 0%. You say, ooh. Nobody was really down on the episode. Second, Trip to Afterlife, 23%. Three stories in this episode, I'll admit, Pete, there wasn't really a whole bunch of stuff that there was three of. Normally, as I make the poll, as I'm watching, it's like I, I get my one, two, three, and four. I stretched a bit. Uh, that got 14.7%. Uh, and then four, it didn't work. Like F-O-R, F-O-U-R again. A little bit of a stretch here. I apologize. I wasn't. <laughs> the episode only gave me so much for the poll. But, Pete, here's the interesting thing. 62% gave it a four, which is 
quite a bit down from the last couple of weeks. So though there were no zero votes, the kind of the overall number was uh, the, the average vote number, if you will, was on the lower end for what it's been this season. It was an OK episode. I I don't know that it was a four. Uh, definitely wasn't a one. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. And again, where we're building, I mean, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, five episodes left, Matt, but only over four weeks. I can't believe we have a month to go. Right. Some uh, thoughts on Twitter. First one, Andre Yeager reclaiming the title of Fastest Gun in the West. <laughs> I believe last week somebody else replied before him. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, at Dr. Polo1983. They're ramping stuff up now. Glad Yo-Yo figured her powers out. I was wondering how Nathaniel figured out his power so quickly, but I forgot he had years and Sybil to help him. Side note, Pete, I'll just add my own words here. The show is certainly taking advantage of these time jumps to be like, and in the years you didn't see, now we have things happen so we can get them to where we want them for this episode. Uh, back to Andre. The team has been hopping a while. He's been practicing. I need to know what he and Sybil are planning. Uh, tweet from JT Atkins. It's at JTA is me. Theory. Enoch is actually fits in disguise. I like the way this episode really drives uh, home that it's going to take some serious work to fix the timeline. Nice touch giving Sousa a new leg. Time to kick some butt with it. <laughs> uh, tweet from David Siller. That's uh, Siller David Poet. Oh, look, this tweet is jumping into this tweet, which is jumping into this tweet. And it's all for a time loop next week. I don't know whether I'll have a heart attack from the excitement or the stress. Hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hits the right spot every time. And then a trio of tweets from Stuff Happens. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. First off, I love Yo-Yo. So glad that storyline is done, though. Again, with fantastic effects. After last week's Camp Fest, which I loved. Uh, nice to get back to drama. Daisy has a sister. Guessing that's going to come back up. My only complaint is the continued fitzlessness of it all. You're I'm really, not alone. <laughs> no, indeed. I'm really hoping it's going to be worth it when we find out what's going on. The show has been running at 110%, and I've lived every second, but we need some fits. I'm guessing we haven't seen the last of Diana either, I hope. Love the Yo-Yo May fight. The show go, uh, does a great job with fight choreography, especially when May is involved. Again, I hope... Uh, her characters get used in some of the Disney Plus shows. Or maybe it's these characters. I think there's a typo there. Um, but anyhow, stuff happens hoping that these characters show up in Disney Plus shows. They make a great addition to anything. Where fits fits in. Uh, going back to the previous comment there from the other uh, respondent. Uh, I like fits as Enoch, but simultaneously I don't like it so yeah there there needs to be some i think it really needs to be a satisfying explanation as to where fits whoever that is has been all these all, all this time pete wouldn't be a podcast without having an email from 084 so here we go this episode was a gift to all of us who've made it through six seasons and a half of shield it not only draws on past seasons for its plot but I feel like it's going to make the whole show better on a rewatch, especially seasons two and three. The necklace that Yo-Yo kept sacred and passed on to Mac yep. in the most stressful game of hot potato ever now has even deeper meaning. The little cousin in the closet with her is probably 
the one who was killed by the dirty cop in her premiere episode. Nathaniel Malick, the little kid who was sacrificed by his own brother out of selfish fear, has the potential in him to be possibly one of my favorite S.H.I.E.L.D. villains, if he keeps doing what he's doing. And Daisy had a sister! A sister who killed herself five years before Daisy was even born. Obviously, I'll wait for talking about the original timeline here. That's really going to make me look at Jaying much differently if I ever go back and rewatch season two. And a sister who's joined Malik as a duo of jacked with powers villains who've now both cheated death. I'm so tensely excited for this last handful of episodes. One little thing that bothered me. May not being the one to save Korra, which would have been a great redemptive moment for the Bahrain incident. But I do love the other direction that they're going with it. One big thing that bothered me. Seuss's new leg. Don't like it, don't want it. The character has been such a good representation for the disabled and has kicked so much ass, even with his need for a crutch. He should have closed the case and declined it, even with all the future tech at his disposal. Uh, disposal. It made logical sense, but it just feels wrong. Until next time, Pete, that's from 084, and I think a really interesting and uh, pertinent thought there about Sousa. I definitely understand the complaint. I think what it does, though, is get us that much closer to what everybody wants, the Avengers cop connection. Ooh. Pete, I was on board with 084 until you said that. I mean, certainly representation, super important, and shades of Star Trek Next Generation Season 2 where they toyed with the idea of giving Geordi something-something, robot eyes, something-something, so that LeVar Burton didn't need to wear you know, uh, a painted barrette and make him make the actor blind on set. I think that's probably another factor here where it's like, uh, all right, dude, let's just give you a magic story solution. So you don't need to have a crutch. Don't need to have the limp, etc. But I love the OH4 is talking about representation there. Hopefully Pete, we do get that Avengers moment. And uh, Pete, I can't wait for people to continue the conversation. How can they talk to you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,344 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P-H, all one word, like it today if you didn't hear on last week's uh star trek podcast that we did and you listen to us in the pop culture podcast feed when star trek lower decks starts uh that first week in august we of course will be podcasting that on the pop culture podcast feed uh and our discovery feed uh until then though pete it's all agents of shield all the time so we'll be back next saturday to talk episode 709 as we tick closer to the end maybe we can get a time loop i don't know but for now i will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word can we just push the button please